Orgasmic Enlightenment, where the sexual and spiritual come together. I'm Kimanami, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach and a vaginal weightlifter. In this show, we explore all things intimate. I believe that our sexual energy is life force, creative energy, and we can use it to shape our worlds, strengthen our relationships, and self-actualize. I blend the most avant-garde information from neuroscience, ancient sexual practices like Tantra and Taoism, to renegade wellness modalities to show you how to create gourmet sex in your lives. Come one, come all. Everyone is creative. Just ask your vagina. Sexual energy equals life force energy. This is the energy that creates new life. And if you aren't creating babies with it, then you can use this energy consciously as a way to shape and manifest in your life. This is the ultimate creative power of the universe and it flows through you. Instead of tuning into this and riding this wave, most people are totally oblivious to and disconnected from and have disowned this power. And all of my work is about helping you to get it back. One of the common myths out there about creativity and sexuality is that some people have it and some people don't. Some people are just born creative and others not so much. Some people just have a high libido and others not so much. First off, creativity isn't only limited to what people might think of as traditionally creative pursuits like art and painting, drawing, sculpting, writing. To me, creativity is bringing a stroke of genius and innovation, a way of approaching something completely differently into whatever it is that you're doing. You could be a creative genius at kickboxing, at gardening, at creating novel undergarments like spanks and period panties, inventing the concept of the boutique hotel. There are plenty of disruptors in all areas. People who go against the grain, they find unique solutions to problems, and they do things in a way that no one has done before. Creativity means breaking out of the status quo with a surge of inspiration and being a wrench in the gears. The etymology of the word inspiration has elements of spirit in it, as in the immediate influence of God, sudden creativity in artistic production. We open ourselves up to the divine and to the flow of life. We are able to rise above the ruts and patterns of the mind that we might get stuck in and open to something greater and touch its brilliance and let it touch us. And this is the key. We have to open to it. The process of accessing this creative genius through your sexual energy is twofold. One, simply by connecting to your sexual life force, this creative substance now begins taking form, direction, and action in your life. And two, by learning how to open and surrender sexually, you are opening yourself up to the divine and to the flow of life. Over the years of working with people, I have been able to see the correlation between stuck sexual energy and then them being stuck in their lives. And it shows up like clockwork. Whether they have been single or coupled, if they were sexually stagnant, everything else in their lives was too. 
from their intimate relationship to the extra weight they were carrying on their bodies that they just couldn't seem to lose to their vocation and cash flow all of it was connected. Their sexual energy was the source, infusing vitality and the Midas touch into every part of their lives. Or if they were disconnected from it, then it was acting like a vortex, sucking everything else into it. No one would ever make the connection until they started to get their sex lives back on track. And then they would see. They would drift away from a job they'd had for years that they were subsisting and kind of dying in and gravitate towards work that was fulfilling for them on an authentic level. Their intimate relationship would become a source of joy, fun, support, and pleasure. Their children who had been acting out were now reflecting the harmony of their parents because they felt safe and secure in the overarching container of love that their parents now provided for them as opposed to the leaky vessel that they were before. The extra weight that they had been carrying for years that exercise and healthy eating just couldn't seem to touch was now being combusted away by the power of their cataclysmic fucking. All of this sourced from the creative and transformative powers of their genitals. Because your sexual energy is your creative DNA genetic blueprint, when you connect to it and it becomes the fuel for your life, everything you touch then begins to be a truer reflection of your deepest self. The decisions you make are guided by this innate truth and knowingness. You have now touched the secret of the universe, the creative power that lives between your legs and you have it at your disposal. Now, do you understand why sex is censored? Why its true meaning and power are distorted and hidden from you? Because you are unstoppable when you are fully inhabiting it. Hashtag powered by vagina. I often use the phrase hashtag powered by vagina to show how my sexual energy has created my world. Even if you read every manifesting book, I would say that you'll still be stuck making these ideas and making your ideas real out in the world if you are disconnected from your sexual power source. It is the engine and the battery that sends your ideas out into the universe. I credit everything I've created consciously over the past 15 or so years with my vagina. I had a couple of pivotal life shifts, both 20 and 15 years ago where I faced my own demons and reclaimed control over my sexual energy to be able to own it and direct it consciously in the world. Since then, my life, for the most part, is a reflection of all that I want for myself. I got conscious about my highest visions and dreams and I orgasmed them into reality. Remember, this is your pro-creative energy. You have control over it and you can shape it or else it gets shaped for you. When you disown your sexual power, you disown your creative power. This is a great quote I like from Brene Brown. Unexpressed creativity is not benign, it metastasizes. 
That's because there is always a cost to not expressing your truth, your voice, your power, your essence. We might think that we can get away with swallowing these things and suppressing them, but they always come out somewhere, just like with our sexual energy. If you suppress it, all that happens is that it comes out in and on the body or in some other mutated way. Just ask Catholic schoolboys. The parallel between sexual and creative expression is enormous, and really, they both inform each other. The more that you get turned on in bed, the more you get turned on in life. And the more you get turned on in life, you feel that flow and you allow yourself to receive pleasure and good things, then the more responsive and aroused you are in bed. It all comes together. Stifling sexual energy has the same result as stifling creative energy. I see it all the time where the genitals become the repository of repressed sexual energy as they wear all of the unresolved, unprocessed stuff that is still hanging around the system. All of the following mutations are symptoms of stuck sexual energy, and I call them mutations because I do not believe that these are normal states of expression. I believe that they are an imbalance of it. For example, low libido, menstrual, PMS, and menopausal issues, lack of orgasms, depression, lethargy, aimlessness in life, financial plateau, growths and blockages in the reproductive organs, breasts, ovaries, uteruses, all these symbols of sexuality. People get so cut off from this energy that these body parts literally get cut out of them. Weight gain, urinary incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse, and the signs of a lack of creative expression are similar. Things like depression, lethargy, blocked up emotions, blocked up everything. So creativity is the sense of opening yourself up to the flow of life. Sexuality is the same. You are open to being penetrated by life, by love, by your lover. So how do we open? How do we tap into the sexual creative flow, which is ultimately the abundance of the universe? How do you activate your vagina so that it becomes the mover, shaker, and creativity maker that it is meant to be? First off, resensitize it. I talk a lot about the weak and numb vagina. If your vagina is in this condition, and most women's are, then you aren't connected to it or to any of its pleasure and creative forces. In order to tap into this creative power, you gotta own that pussy. And the two most powerful ways that I teach to awaken your vagina are, first off, yoni massage, loving, healing, and awakening, a vaginal reconnaissance, to get to know your innermost self, to release past trauma and to bring sensation and pleasure back into the vagina, and the jade yoni egg. As the best tool for vaginal strengthening on the market, the yoni egg is your activator and orgasm maker. It helps you in the same way that yoni massage does, but it takes that even further to build muscle tone, to give you bigger, better orgasms, the ability to ejaculate, to lubricate like a Tsunami and anami tsunami, and to make your vagina live in exquisite ecstasy. The second thing I recommend is to have deeper, more powerful, life changing orgasms. 
This is a bit of a catch-22 because you need to have an awakened vagina to experience these deeper vaginal orgasms, and the more of them you have, the more you bring your vagina and yourself back to life. The vaginal orgasms, G-spot, cervical, and ejaculatory, as opposed to the more, you know, I say paltry <laughs> clitoral counterparts, they rewire you, they recalibrate you, they reset you back to your original self, minus the programming and layers of civilizing that we all take on over our lifetimes. You get in touch with your inner voice, your true nature, and the gifts that you have to give to the world, your dharma. And this is how and why people often change their life paths when they get in touch with their sexual energy. More of their true self now bubbles out of them, unstoppable, and begins directing their lives. And thirdly, I would say getting into your feminine flow, learning how to receive. How much do you let good things in? Are you willing to receive love, abundance, deep orgasms, and a life of daily pleasure and good things happening to you? For some people, their wiring is otherwise. They are wired for chaos and strife and struggle, often because it's what they grew up with. It's imprinted in their nervous system, and so they gravitate towards it as adults, unless they change the wiring. And this is one of the greatest gifts of your sexual energy and the deeper vaginal orgasms. They rewire you. They help you to reset. This is honestly one of the most powerful discoveries that I have had in having vaginal orgasms and in particular cervical orgasms early on in my sexual exploration is finding this as a gift and finding myself emerging out of these sexual experiences with a sense of self-actualization. I remember I'd been studying Maslow's work, this was way back in the day, and learning about it and feeling like this is self-actualization. I would come out of these cervical orgasms, walk out into the world and just feel like this cleaner, clearer, more grounded, centered, powerful, rejuvenated version of me, of my true self. And that honestly was the one of the real beacons for me in following this path of studying and then teaching around sexuality was this deeper recalibration, self-realization gift of it in done in this conscious way, in this deeper way, and in the cervical orgasm way. So the whole feminine receptive idea of magnetizing things to you becomes heightened. Things fall into your lap because that's what attracted it. And so rather than slogging hard and feeling like you have to work your ass off, which are typically more masculine expressions of achieving in the world, you cultivate your orgasms, you cultivate your vaginal sense. I'm serious. This is the path. So you enliven your sensual energy, your feminine capacity to receive all good things, pleasure, cock, the deeper orgasms, abundance, and even literal cash. And all of this stems from your creative power source, your vagina. For today's Well-Fucked All-Star segment, we have not one, not two, but three All-Stars sharing how they have shaped their lives with their vaginas. I have a couple of short clips from Mara and Robin about their vaginas, orgasms, and creativity, and then I have a longer interview with Rose on her sexual evolution and how she has created her life from her vagina. 
Well fucked, All-Stars. Here's Mara. My sex drive was like akin to my drive in my life. So like if I was, if I had low sex drive, I also had a low life drive. Like I wasn't super excited about life. And so the two go hand in hand. I don't know for everybody, but for me. And so um, I needed, when I said like I needed this, it was, it was mostly because just the results in my daily life that I wasn't happy with. And so I knew that like, if I, if I could nail this, then I would, I would be happier in my regular life. And like, it's, it's absolutely true. Like all of this work that I've been doing sexually and um, personally has transformed into, into my daily life. Like I've just opened a bakery and it's becoming very successful. I've started hosting monthly women's circles um, and having really great results with that. Um, And these are things that I don't, I, I never had the drive to do before. And I never thought, especially with, you know, children that I had the time and energy to do, but like I hosted my first big bakery event when my baby was a week old, like who does that? Oh <laughs> and I was gosh. just like, I was wow. super like, let's do this. You know, I made a hundred cinnamon rolls and like, <laughs> and we had a great time and everybody was like, I can't believe you're doing this. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. This is not normal. Like, and I like, I, it's because I was having orgasms. Like, I was like, this is, I have the energy. And so I'm going to use that energy to do what I want to do. It's fantastic. This is so epic because, you know, you're talking about, you started the salon, let's say eight months pregnant, right? So you've got maybe four weeks or so before you have your baby, you're having, um, oh wait, you said you gave birth five weeks early. I did. Holy moly, I, I gave just birth a week like, into the oh, salon. Like a week, a week <sighs> into the salon. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you'd only been doing this whole, yeah. this work for like, what, two to three weeks? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. You, you really are a yeah. vaginal and epic superstar. So you're <laughs> doing this work for a few weeks um, it says here, so you were, I'm just reading some of the stuff that you've written because you only had clitoral orgasms in the past and then you yeah. had your, and even those were few and far between. And then you had your yeah. first cervical orgasm on your birthday when your baby my was six weeks <laughs> old. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. I was, I did not know what to expect because I didn't know what a cervical orgasm was. So I'm like sobbing. And he was like, are you okay? I'm like, I think so. And then I just sobbed for like 20 minutes. And then I was like, that, that, that was amazing. That I am changed. <laughs> so yeah, that was a pretty good birthday present. That was a very beautiful birthday present that you allowed yourself to have. I love it that you gave to yourself. <laughs> um and now you're in a place where you can have like five cervical orgasms in one session. And now I'm like welcoming him in, right? With my just extremely gushing pussy. Like, can I say that? Is that too, you say things like that. <laughs> you can 100% but say like, that. It... <laughs> cool. So yeah, it was just like, I, I just, I I don't know. Okay. I'm trying to find the best word to describe this. So it was like, once my, once my pussy was online, she was offline pretty much my whole life. Once she was online, she was like, 
ready and gushing and I'm I'm almost wet all the time now like I I don't know like I don't know how what else how else can I say that you've said it and that's how I describe it for people is that they get to a place where they are wet all the time And because they're just so, like, if we look at the pussy metaphorically, like this idea of being receptive to, to life, right? Being receptive to being penetrated by life or being penetrated by a cock is that then the metaphors, we kind of, we embody that in this full way that then the pussy is sort of always open, always available, always ready, right? And so, and that's how we become towards life, like the way you described about having these intimate connections connections and moments with anyone, right? With strangers, with people you meet out in the world, that there's just that much, that deeper level of openness and capacity for intimacy. And then it's both in the psyche and the emotions and the heart and in the pussy. And so because of that, the pussy is on this perpetual like place of being right. wet and ready. Can I you know? share a funny story about that? Absolutely. You can. So Okay, so um, I was like, this is probably a few weeks ago. I was like, like, honey, I need sex basically all the time. And he's like, I just can't keep up with you. (laughs) So I was kind of frustrated. I was like, I'm kind of frustrated, you know, at this. And he was like, well, I don't know what else to do, you know. And and so I started to like realize what like what's, what's going on with me? Like, why am I just like hungry all the time? Why am I never satisfied? But then. I was, I started like tuning into my pussy and realizing that she's just like throbbing constantly. Like she's just awake, alive and hungry all of the time. And I was like, well, I don't necessarily need sex all of the time. (laughs) And so I started sort of breathing in that energy because I was, I was getting frustrated. I was like, I'm angry. I need sex like all the time. (laughs) But I started kind of breathing in that energy like you teach us to do and and using it towards creativity, towards other things. And it's really funny. It's kind of calmed down that like frustration and that like intense all the time drive. But realizing that like, oh, this is what it feels like to have a turned on pussy all the time. Like I'm driving down the street. I'm in a grocery store like is there something wrong with me? No, this is just what it feels like. And so I'm getting, I'm really getting used to that feeling. And it's so, it's such a wonderful feeling to just feel turned on all the time. And here's Robin. So when you were talking about this lower chakra stuff, and so what do you think that you overall as a well-fucked woman has done for your the rest of your life so obviously your own I would say your own confidence in your body in yourself especially being told that you can't do these things right you're of a certain age you have a certain condition you just can't don't worry about it you know it's just that's the way it is and and then your whole being is like no 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 no. I got this I have been victorious in these areas and then so I would you know that would breed a level of confidence and unstoppability, you know, in a woman as it tends to, but how, you know, in addition to that in your life, how else do you think these extra layers of really deep, powerful cervical orgasms have really changed you and your expression out in the world? That's a big one. I mean, it has, it has changed 
so much for me, honestly. Um, and it, and it has like a pretty incredible ripple effect. I really believe, you know, it's funny when you talk about like the Fukme <laughs> and, and, you know, if I'm starting to get in my <laughs> in a bad mood, my husband will look at me and be like, do you have a case of Fukme? <laughs> you know, um, or just being able to identify it. And, you know, it's all funny in a, in a very like personal way, you know, of, of what I'm experiencing, but also how it affects just the way we interact as humans. And, you know, I think I said in one of, one of the feedback things, I talked about the, the spiritual aspect to me, which is also a very kind of huge, broad thing to like sort of explain. But um, I really believe that this piece that you're teaching to women and to men, and that a few other teachers, you know, that are, are, are touching on it, it's like the one missing thing for humans that um in our spirituality and i'm an artist and i moved starting with your course it like shifted my whole desire of what i was doing and it was more of being able to try to give pleasure to women through a second skin and the interactions that i was able to have with women on that level just because of what you had been teaching me so i was more rooted in my pleasure i mean i had women in tears telling me the most beautiful like vulnerable stories being like why am i talking about this you know or then getting dressed and being like i've never felt this good and like i mean it was so so rewarding and I mean, in the same way that obviously your journey of like finding your own pleasure and then learning to share that with other people, it's that ripple effect. I mean, that's it, it. Not only is it my personal life changing of being able to have orgasms, but the ripple effect of affecting other people in your spectrum, whatever your work may be. I mean, I didn't think I was going to feel like a healer by dressing women with certain, you know, designs and clothing, but they just end up you know, expressing their innermost dreams because it starts that conversation. And that feels really amazing. I mean, honestly, I feel like if everybody was forced to go to a school like yours, you know, 18, you're out, screw college, you, gap year, everybody has to go and learn about their vaginas and their cocks. <laughs> I think that we'd be a happier world, <laughs> truly. It's, it's, I truly believe that. And it's, it's pretty awesome to see the immediate effects, you know, like the more you work here, the more it, it, it's reflected in the people that you meet. And it just infuses out of you. You become this vehicle and channel for this energy of sensuality and owning yourself and creativity, because I always talk about the connection between sex and creativity. And what have you noticed with that? Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, uh, I started, I bought myself a, um, I think I mentioned this to you at some point, but I had bought a, uh, Art Nouveau 1800s, um, hand mirror. Like I imagine that it was held by a courtesan. And so I would go into my studio and I'd pussy gaze and I'd talk to my pussy before I'd start painting these clothes for women, you know, and when I started coming up like Artemis was one of the goddesses that I worked on with this summer and that was like kind of infused in my clothing and I would just sit there and I swear like the, the, the effect that it had, because nobody thinks about it like clothing is a second skin and nobody, you know, you just like 
go shopping at Target and you're like, who cares? But when you wear your second skin and you're recognizing that you are portraying a piece of yourself and for me to be able to like watch that on women and, and see women, you know, they'd be in their little polo shirts and their jeans because I'm, I'm from the Northeast. So like that's how women dress. And then they put on like, you know, this organic dress and be like, oh my God, <laughs> you know? And I just, I felt so, I felt so good being able to share that that creative, that creative juice. Cause it is, it is like super juicy and it, and it's very obvious when you're disconnected. Cause I've had, I've actually had the experience after your um, salon, I went through some like really, really challenging times with my teenage son and so much drama. And I fell off the wagon, so to speak. And it was kind of amazing to see with the lack of practice, with the lack of like breast massage and the lack of, um, I had my first bad period right after, like I'd had two or three months of just sailing. And then all of a sudden stopped the practice, you know, and, and didn't want to have sex because it was so angry. <laughs> like, you know, my husband kept looking at me. He's like, I think Kim would tell you. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. <laughs> But it's incredible to see the effects, you know, and it, and it's it's a whole realm of self-care that most of us don't know about, you know, like you think that you're just having sex to connect with a person, but it's it's so much more than that. So much more. And now we will hear from Rose. Hello, Rose. Thank you for being here as a well-fucked all-star. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. So, um, yes. Uh, it's, uh, I'm very excited and thankful to be on this call with you. And uh, so thankful and appreciative for uh, all of your teachings and all of the beautiful influence that you've had in my life. My pleasure. I'm always happy to be part of this journey with people. So let's chat about some of your evolution over time in studying this work and the impact that it's had on your life. And there's certain things that you've shared with me that I'm going to throw out here. And then I'd love to hear you elaborate more on them. And so I know that in diving into this work and exploring a more conscious approach to your sexuality, you've had changes in your relationship. You've had changes in the relationship to yourself, in your work life, in your overall life. And so this is really about showing people what happens when you do sync up with and become conscious of and the director of your sexual energy and the changes that that shows in all areas of your life. So yes, your intimate relationship has improvements and evolution, but also every part of your existence. So let's start with your relationship. So you had talked about having um, sex, you know, maybe on average one to three times a week and then going to more than daily. <laughs> so tell me about that change. Um, well, I, I think I'll start off by saying that my relationship was good mm -hmm. and really, um, you know, has, has always been, I think, what I would describe as good and with a strong chemistry and passion between us and, um, you know, uh, 
really always had radical honesty and emphasis on on connection and on um, on our friendship really being more important than our relationship, at least in terms of loving each other more than we need each other and 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 all of those good fundamentals. Um, I think it, it's often surprised me that uh, um, sex wasn't always perfect, even though it always was very good, and um, that that took work. Uh, you know, I think I just always assumed that um, that it wasn't an area in which we should focus energy and attention, which obviously seems so strange when I would put that towards everything else, but that it should just always be perfect um, without any, you know, tending or, or learning or um, and uh, without really giving it time and space. And I think, you know, your sort of basic recommendations about, you know, weekends or times away or just consciously focusing time and attention there. Um, it seems so simple and obvious, um, but, but, but took a little changing of habits and of practices and has been so worthwhile. Um, I think um, when we kind of leave it for weekends um, or when we're not working and the kids aren't needing us and other people in our life aren't needing us and sort of last at the end, then it kind of becomes last. Mm -hmm. um, and it was always starting over again from the beginning. It was sort of, um, for me, what it feels like a point of kind of zero, um, you know, uh, zero velocity um, and kind of, uh, needing to establish that connection and, and kind of make some progress. And when that happens only on weekends, it's hard to build progress and to really get to the really good places. Um, and I, I think for me, I've, I've noticed a very clear three to four day um, limit. If I go that long without, then I'm sort of starting from scratch again. And kind of living life from a different place, which is how I often lived it before, um, to one where uh, there's just um, is, is so much more energy to go around and uh, joy and creativity and um, ease, you know, sort of the ease versus balance or versus struggle balance um, is, is much nicer. Um, I guess I'm straying from the question and uh, you know, the effects on our relationship is that um, we're not working so hard to come to a point of pleasure and connection. Um, we're always there. And that point just gets deeper and deeper or higher and higher. And there's this um, reservoir of uh, passion and of energy and of support and sort of juice that and sustenance that we can offer each other and then share out into the world. Um, so it seems like um, uh, our relationship is of so much more service to each other and to our families and to our, you know, our, our, our patients and our work and um, our communities. I love that. And 
the, the idea that you become this source of sustenance for each other is really the core of my work is that we plug into each other. And I think what you said earlier is that is very true for most people is that they, particularly because of the messaging or lack of messaging that we have in our culture, where it's this like, oh, your relationship should magically just work in some way and you don't mm -hmm. really have to tend to it and nurture it and put energy into it. And then people are shocked when it falls apart you know, or becomes mm -hmm. less enjoyable rather than consciously looking at it like anything else that needs time and love and attention. Yeah. So yeah. what would you say then? I mean, you've also mentioned that your cervical orgasm quotient has increased. So tell us about that. Um, sure. I, I think I'm still a little shy talking about, the, <laughs> about these things. Um, I, I think I've had cervical orgasms uh, previously in my life, but never... Um, they sort of came, you know, when I was lucky or um, sometimes uh, irregularly and, uh, you know, not that frequently, like maybe a few times a year and uh, with sort of these mysterious joys and being able to, uh, to ha sort of have them regularly and um, like, like you say, use them as tools in my healing um, and in the kind of processing of um old, you know, old stuff and um, just sort of daily um, maintenance uh, is, uh, is a, a real game changer. Um, I, I, I found, well, I found most of what you teach to be extremely true <laughs> and, uh, and powerful, but, you know, among them is the connection between the cervix and the heart and uh, kind of hallmark of, of cervical orgasms for me is a heart opening and feeling like, um, well, like my vagina reaches up to my heart and everything in between those spaces is clear and, uh, you know, freely flowing and moving and that my heart can be open to, to my partner, to the world really, um, and that I'm able to love um, and accept and turn towards whatever, uh, you know, whatever is uh, so much easier. Um, I think about that a lot as uh, sort of a, a practice for living is um, accepting and welcoming and falling in love with, uh, with what is and what comes to me and uh, the blessings, the opportunities, the challenges, um, and more and more myself. And... Um, that is a, a beautiful tool to help me be in that state of, of openness and to turning towards something that feels challenging instead of turning away from it. Um, so, you know, these aren't um, practices that are unique to sex or to um, it, the, the way you teach the, the sexual practices, um, but uh, empower them and go, you know, so nicely with them. And so what you mentioned about using cervical orgasms to process things, can you elaborate on that? Um, um, I think the, the process of uh, approaching a cervical orgasm to me is, 
feels like doors opening um, and sometimes like a whole a corridor of lots of doors and sometimes with mirrors on the doors and like there's a tight spot and if I, you know, and he <laughs> sort of stays on it, then that opens and releases and there's kind of a new space or a new dimension and then there's another door and that one opens and there's another one and inside all of those are um uh, you know each of those tightnesses sometimes some sometimes it's it's just sort of vague but very often is connected to or either before or after the door opens a memory or a feeling or a impression um of of something else uh, that's happened or just a feeling it's sort of it feels like clearing through this uh, debris and these feelings and this sort of stored up um you know emotions are, are just reactions to what's happened in my life i think there's been times um there's been some grief recently uh, a, a close friend of mine's uh, son died at a young age and uh, you know which has been an opportunity to, to process all sorts of other loss and um, the resistance to loss and the resistance to to losing our children especially I think to me I, I, I I've used that as an opportunity to kind of release attachment or just prepare for the, the death and that separation um, which I, I think is a, a, a worthwhile practice for us. And again, looking, leaning into those hard things. And um, there's really, uh, that is the, the, that pathway to cervical orgasms is such a, just a, a useful path to be able to identify that the things that get stuck in us that I might not have noticed were stuck there before um, and release them. And I, I think I appreciate those practices. I'm also a, a, a have a Wim Hof practice and uh, you know, find that there's a similarity in there, sort of feeling that resistance and relaxing into it. Um, but the, I, I think cervical orgasms and, and opening towards them is a, a, a wonderful method, a really uniquely powerful and fun method. And I love the way you've articulated all of that with such depth and insight, because oh. that's what um, in my work, when I talk about the value of vaginal and especially cervical orgasms to liberate women, to help them to grow, to shed layers of stress, pain, trauma. It's one of the greatest, if not the greatest personal growth tool that we have as uniquely to us as women. And when people are really, you know, oh, clitoral orgasms, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The good stuff is in the vagina. Like the, the life-changing orgasms are in the vagina. And once mm -hmm. we learn how to utilize them and understand their true power, women don't go back or they might still have clitoral orgasms but they're just not they're achieving the same thing and the best part us. about oh, i'm sorry um, the best part about clitoral orgasms is sort of opening the way to the others right <laughs> right <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. And that's how I usually frame them is they're great appetizers, Mm -hmm. right? They're great Mm -hmm. to start to rev the engine up. They're just not the final destination. And that's the big, Mm -hmm. the big myth and misinformation about them is to frame them as though they are right. And that's what Mm -hmm. then really does a disservice to women. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if the cervical orgasms are, are honestly that pleasurable for me. Um, it's, it's kind of beyond pleasure. I think there's, um, it, it, it's more like a shift in the state of my being. Um, and yes, there's pleasure, but it's um, that's not really the the benefit of them, almost. Well, I think I think for in, on my journey, um, originally they were a process of cleansing. For me and so going into them having them was not in the same pleasure as a clitoral orgasm but it had its own cleansing purpose and then afterward is when I felt most of the pleasure like after like feeling like as though I'd had a really good cry and then you know then I felt bliss later on in my evolution like after I think I cleared a lot of stuff and was able to use them as this really powerful tool then yes they became full ecstasy and pleasure but originally they were they were there to help me move through stuff that was stuck lodged within me the issues in our tissues as Wim Hof says one of Mm -hmm. my favorite phrases of his that helped to move that stuff out of the way and once that stuff was out of the way then it opened the door for more pure pleasure Mm -hmm. but before Mm -hmm. that they were helping me to get rid of the debris and clear out the space Mm -hmm. definitely so I definitely you, agree. I, yeah. All right. Yeah. So you had also touched on this idea of falling in love with yourself and that somehow through this process that turned a light onto the relationship that you had with yourself and times when perhaps you would put others first and others needs first and that you really, it you know brought you back to this place of putting yourself first and strengthening that relationship that you have with you. Mm-hmm. I think that's been... Um, maybe one of the most surprising parts of my experience in the Well Fucked Woman course. And, um, you know, maybe I'll I'll start that by saying that I decided to take the course, um, the kind of the moment I was like, I'm going to do that. Um, I'm going to do this now, like this summer, you know, a a month or so before it started, um, was... uh, uh, I, I had um, been a little frustrated with my husband in our relationship for kind of failing your, uh, you know, seven day or 30 day sex challenges. Um, and so I decided to do one myself. There was, I think, a podcast that you had on the, the self-love challenge and I failed it miserably and, you know, realized that, oh, this is not all his fault. Um, you know, his lack of commitment or, you know, anything else, which I, I, I was kind of believing um, that that I'm a big part of this, too. And if this is something I want, I need to, um, you know, look to myself first and foremost and uh, and look at why, like, what's what's hard about this? Why wouldn't I do this? And I think the, the biggest answer that I found is 
um, you know, one that I'd, I'd come to in other places also, but um, uh, not fully, you know, a, a, a lack of loving myself. And, um, you know, I think I, I always have had good self-esteem and being good to myself and uh, manifested, you know, overall great relationships and great experiences. Um, but... Um, definitely had limits there and I think that was the biggest shift in the course is falling in love with myself um, which is something I hadn't even considered that I would do you know liked myself um, uh, good self-esteem all those other things but that's different to um, being in love with myself and kind of having a relationship that with myself that was like courting or a courtship or a, um, you know sort of treating treating myself with that level of tenderness that I would give to my beloved and um, you know this is was something that I had been aware of since a, a mentor and a, a really beautiful person who exemplifies a life of service had said, um, had made a comment uh, that we can't, um, we're limited in our ability to love others and how deeply we love ourselves or how fully we love ourselves. And when he said it, it struck me and I was surprised at how hard it hit me because I thought again that I was loving myself. And so, you know, had been shining like the light of my awareness on this and um you know I guess just so many different ways that I, I realized that has been a theme for me and um the ways in which I had sought to change that but when it comes to actually you know physically loving myself and making love to myself um it, or trying to, you know, deciding I would and then kind of noticing myself kind of avoiding it or um, having an immature relationship with myself. Like I would think that I could go straight into self-pleasuring without connecting, you know, deeply like I ex expect my partner to or like I would, you know, connect with him before we started touching each other. And that I, you know, I, that I had so much to learn about um, being my own lover, and um, and um, you know, uh, sometimes it, it things feels to me like I'm turning the lighthouse of my heart inwards. Um, like I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I am good, and uh, <laughs> my husband says that's sort of my unique uh, superpower gift is is in loving, and that I'm, you know, really good at, at loving other people um but including myself in that love which has been hard for me um i also i think that my my family and maybe even my culture is is very focused on on loving the other more than the self and it's, it's actually been quite a theme in my relationship my husband's really good at loving himself and putting himself first and that was you know i I, I didn't think that was really the best way of living before. <laughs> and I slowly learned that actually it is. And that, you know, the our ability to love ourselves really does enable us to love others more fully. 
and um, you know this this just keeps manifesting for me and it's been a it's kind of been a challenge for for me the to accept and to um, to live um, is especially helpful in in my ability to mother and in my relationship with my kids um, and I think I've, I have two girls and a boy and especially for my girls um, because I think women are so often the caregiver and um, as, at least in my family and in my experience um, good at well my dad does this too, um, sort of sacrificing them, making a, a pattern of self-sacrifice for service to others. And there is absolute beauty in that. But when we care for ourselves, you know, and include ourselves in that care, as well as others, then there's just so much more love to go around. Um, and, you know, modeling that as for them, as well as being able to to be more fully present for them because I'm tending to myself. Um, again, just has this positive feedback and this, this fueling, uh, sustaining quality for, for, for myself, my own health, my relationship, my family, and then my bigger circles of, of working in the world. That's beautiful. I love that. And I think that, you know, that phrase or the concept of loving ourselves and nurturing ourselves can be almost, I don't know, glossed over. Like it's just so we hear, we hear it so much and mm-hmm. you can, it's easy to just take that and go, yeah, yeah, right. I know I'm supposed to love myself <laughs> versus having, you know, the way you, the way you described it with your husband, like he's really good at loving himself and putting himself first, you know, <laughs> I thought that encapsulates it because there is a certain energy or, or some people do it really easily, as you said. Mm-hmm. And then I, I do think that the conditioning culturally for women is to be the caregiver and really harvest a kind of free labor, whether it's physical labor mm-hmm. or emotional labor mm-hmm. from women, you know, that doesn't have cost or value you know, or compensation and, um, becomes a place where women reflexively put their needs aside Mm -hmm. and offer up service. And as you said, there's an, and there's a, there's an element to that that is noble and beautiful, Mm -hmm. but there's another element of it that is detracting and can Mm -hmm. make women feel invisible in who they are because they keep putting that aside to be of service. And so mm-hmm. it's lovely that you identified that and had this shift in yourself. And I think one other part of that that is worth mentioning, um, and I, I, I definitely have had that pattern that you described, um, especially after becoming a mother. Um, I think it's so easy to, you know, launch into the day uh, caring for your, uh, you know, um, needs and just getting into relationship with these beautiful beings uh, that come to us um and then also in my work you know as a healer and in training sort of um being in patterns of sleep deprivation and and sort of extreme lack of self-care um but you know the, what what comes up with that, and what was big for me, I think, is forgiving these patterns of of self betrayal and of mm. being hard on myself, because once we realize, oh, why, 
you know, I'm responsible for this. I've made all these little micro choices that have led to, um, you know, a, a life that's out of balance um, or uh, health issues that need to be healed or, or just a lack of pleasure not living in the space until I'm, you know, in my 40s or, you know, whatever it is. I think when once we do shine that light and, and start loving and start engaging in the relationship and especially in the, you know, the, the self-pleasure and the, 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 you know, the actively sexually loving ourselves, that um, the you know the, the blocks that have come up for me have have been a lot of, um, you know, uh, accepting um, and forgiving myself and the choices I've made, and then trying to do things differently, and you know, realizing um, just like learning to meditate, realizing when I've strayed off that path, and then gently forgiving myself again and coming back, um, and that that's okay and that happens, but. The more you know, I celebrate. The more I'm able to see that and make a different choice, even in in big things and in little things. I like what you said about the micro choices that lead you down a path, and especially with the idea of self betrayal. Like every time that we say yes to something that we want to say no to, or we say no to something mm-hmm. that we want to say yes to, and then mm-hmm. that creates this pattern, reinforces this energy of self betrayal versus mm-hmm. the choices we can make that self honor, right? And then getting mm-hmm. comfortable with, and and I think that's the thing that gets taught to women is to is to put a that voice and mm-hmm. ignore it and 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 that's where I think even that conditioning around calling women bitches right like she's a bitch like what because she stands up for herself like I mean there's different definitions of what that word can mean for people in different circumstances but I think there's there is kind of a negative connotation out there for a woman who will stand up for herself and you know take what she wants and be who she is and there might be ways in which people do that, that it feels overpowering or domineering, but there's a healthy way of doing it that um, could be applauded and celebrated. And I mm-hmm. think women have to push for that reality to happen more so than men do, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that when it comes out of a place of true love, you know, self-love, as well as love for the other person there and um and just honesty it doesn't have that irritating energy mm. as yeah. much um and when it comes from a place of insecurity or aggression um then i think it 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 shapes us you know it just that uh, just like the feelings feel to the person having them we we share them like that Yeah, that's a very good point. I agree with that too. So a couple of things that you had talked about as, you know, I talk about symptoms in the physical body being reflection of some kind of inner disturbance. And so if women are experiencing things like yeast infections or PMS, that those aren't just random physical things that happen to us, like, you know, just whatever, but that they're an indication from the higher self that there's some way that we're living or making decisions uh-huh. that's in that's out of balance. And rather than the Western approach of just trying to dominate the body and suppress those symptoms and look at them as just part of life and we need to 
you know, <laughs> ignore them or deny them or suppress them, that we look at them as messages from the higher self mm -hmm. to say, okay, where do I need to shift my focus or acknowledge myself as we've been talking about? So you had experiences with both of those symptoms and how did that shift for you? I think, um, I, um, it, it feels all like a continuum to me and the symptoms are just, just as you say, the messages from the body that, um, there's something that we're not seeing, that there's, there's something going on there. It's like a call for attention, um, and, uh, integration and, um, I think I'm pretty. I'm <laughs> pretty good at ignoring my body, um, you know, or sort of tuning out and dividing my attention from pain or fatigue or um, things like that. And uh, to an unhealthy level, I think it's been. I think those have been really useful skills for me um, to build and to use, but I've overapplied them. Um, for sure. And I think uh, we had spoken before about yeast infections. And for me, that's a very clear sign now. And, um, you know, will uh, have, have been a, a difficult issue for me in the past and at times will come back. And um, I almost, not quite, but almost can smile at them and <laughs> welcome them back. Don't quite enjoy them enough to do that yet. But um, as, as just a reminder that I'm not listening to myself and I'm not, um, you know, I'm not tending myself. I'm not resting enough or, um, you know, taking good care of myself that I've sort of been too inspired or, or um you know, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively, out of a sense of feeling I should, for whatever reason, um, gone too far, uh, you know, overextended myself too far. Um, those two things, not, you know, not loving myself and I think other feelings. Sometimes if there's um, a, a problem in our relationship, something I've been upset about that I've not uh, brought out, um, which I, I think we're pretty good at doing. And uh, I, I think your, you know, advice for couples in that is, is really been helpful for us. Um, but I'm, it's harder with myself. I think I'm much easier. It's, it's much more common that I'll get in a negative pattern with myself than I will with my partner. Um, a bigger experience for me has been in healing uh, chronic illness. Um, I had Lyme disease uh, for, um, you know, embarrassingly as a healer for years before I really understood what was part of that and had been really very sick with it for, for a big chunk of my life. And, you know, waxing and waning with ups and downs. Um, and again, the, the big themes to me and big helpers have been um turning that you know including myself in my love and um uh, um you know prioritizing my own joy and pleasure and fun um with all the other things that i kind of 
thought were more important. Um, and uh, I think that's the, uh, at this point, and I'm, I'm, I suspect I have more to learn about this in this journey, but I think that's the probably the biggest factor that made me susceptible to getting sick in the first place and that prevented me from healing fully. Um, and that still kind of, you know, weakens me. Um, and and kind of catches me down. And how would you, in one sentence, what would you say that is? Um, not loving myself or, or not including myself in my love, in the love and the care that I offer others around me. Right. And how would you say that the PMS, like what would be the interpretation for you of what that was? Being under fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Easily. <laughs> okay. If I, you know, um, yeah. I think I, I get a little PMS if, if four days pass, you know, four days of the thing. It used to be Thursday morning. Um, <laughs> If we, you know, if we had, if it hadn't been, uh, if we hadn't made love since the weekend, um, Thursdays would be a really hard day. And if it was, you know, a Thursday PMSing, oh, <laughs> there would be, you know, I think if, it, it, especially if I was around my husband, um, if we aren't around, I felt like I could sort of suppress it. But as soon as we got together, it would sort of that vibrating energy. And I think that's, um, you know, there's an energy there of, to me, of not feeling loved enough. And again, it's, um, that I think that's been a big reflection of me not loving myself enough more than him not loving me enough. And taking responsibility for that is a, 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 you know, a big game changer um, in our relationship. So that I'm not, you know, I, 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 I'm not reflecting this all onto him, um, but, but owning it. Um, and, and uh, you know, loving myself, like not sort of needing him to do it all for me and sort of be my savior, um, but being my own. So. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. So putting all that together, how would you say then that as you have become aware of and inhabited your sexual energy more that you've seen obviously there have been you've just described places in your outer life where you've seen these changes but i know there's specific places where you've talked about making different decisions and really channeling your creative energy out into your world and different life path decisions that you've made so tell us more about that Because um. you talked about you're now homeschooling your children, you are building community outside of the system, you are building a new home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I think that the sort of creative project or the, the creative expression that most interests me now is this idea of, of manifesting our reality. And I think I always been, was interested in that, but 
um, what, what really became a priority was again in um, becoming aware of how um, those sort of micro choices were and, and thought patterns and feelings were manifesting in my outer world and uh, taking some you know, response, responsibility for that and shifting that more consciously and um, kind of turning my inner dialogue into intentions and sort of into, uh, into a, a, a conscious creative process. Um, and I think the, um, you know, those manifest, I think, most readily to me in my health. That's one that I, I see a lot and um, in the health of my children and my family. Uh, and our, our 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 practice and our community. Um, I think this is a time in the world when uh, a lot of people have been able to change, you know, willingly or unwillingly. I think it, initially when the the COVID shutdown happened, it was a, a big pause button. And um, we all got to see, uh, to sort of pause how we were living. And, and for me, it was a great opportunity to see what we wanted to do differently. And the biggest surprise that I had there that I you know, hadn't expected is how much I love having my kids at home. I had never previously been excited by the idea of homeschooling. Um, and, you know, after that slowly became, began learning about it, you had um, a podcast with Dana Martin and um, that also, you know, opened that uh, pathway for me and, and got me into exploring that. But the, the biggest, you know, surprise and moment of realization was how much of my kids' lives I was missing that I might never have known or realized. And then at the same time, how little of their the time away that they spent was learning and was sort of you know quality good time and then how much negative effects that was happening on the our time together and the time in the family whether it's you know rushing through the evening to get them on bed on time or waking them up and rushing them out the house and um all this rushing and all this um, you know, recovering from what happened before and preparing for what was coming next. Um, and uh, instead, what we got is all this beautiful time in the present together. And, um, you know, initially from remote schooling, seeing, you know, my, my daughter, uh, who is 12 now, you know, said it, um, I am doing learning so much more than I was at school in just two hours a day. And, you know, remembering, I actually found my journal from when I was 12, too. And just this remembering of how much time was spent waiting and kind of wasted in, in my life at that time. And um, uh, how that really was the beginning of learning to live my life on other people's terms and ignore what I wanted to do or squash the things that were most important to me into these small chunks of time um, in my day, instead of being able to explore and dive deep and luxuriate in them, which, you know, came occasionally on vacations and, and other thing times. Um, and, uh, you know, as having planned retreats or conferences or 
at the times for, uh, you know, classes and courses for adults mostly, um, you know, thought about, well, okay, we, we have the opportunity to design our lives and design our education and design our schedules instead of responding to, you know, how we think we should plug into the world around us. And if, since we do have this chance and, uh, you know, initially it was a necessity, um, how could we do it optimally? And what a wonderful opportunity to have. Um, and that's continued over the last few years to, to just develop and, and deepen. Um, I think we, um, you know, we had, we were part of a Waldorf school that was really lovely in so many ways and had a lot of lovely community there. But being able to sort of plug into that so easily, I think, um, relieved us or robbed us of the opportunity and the necessity of creating our own community and um, finding our, you know, our own networks and our own connections and our own resources and our own spaces to gather and, you know, all of those things. And um, it's been really, I think, just a, a beautiful opportunity to be able to create those and, um, you know, take what we've learned and keep some things the same and change other things. And it, it just continues to feel like such a, a blessing. Um, I'm currently, you know, working outside of the home um, much less than I ever have, uh, hardly at all, really, but um, spending a lot of time with uh, my kids and other kids, their friends, um, and sort of supporting them in their endeavors in the world. And I think in, in a time where people, you know, I hear a lot of people feeling kind of pessimistic for various reasons about how things are going. And spending time with these kids, you know, and teenagers is so, um, it gives so much hope and optimism. You know, there's so much uh, creativity and beauty and just uh, freedom, you know, uh, when I get sort of stuck thinking something's a problem to see how they breeze through it and just have a, a totally new idea that is so simple and so brilliant, you know, at the same time, um, is just so much fun and so inspiring and gives me such a sense of, of peace and confidence in the future. That's lovely. And so a couple other aspects where you're, manifesting change you talked about building a new home and then also taking a break from your medical practice um yeah so i'll also say that we did finally i think um uh to me in a way somewhat uh somewhat logically and, and somewhat symbolically i think um Having a or buying or building a home was became connected to <laughs> having our first uh, sex retreats um, or a honeymoon trip, and um, there are two things that just weren't working out for uh, not very obvious or clear reasons. Um, you know, just just hadn't worked. I think when um, I, I had sort of been aware of your work from when I first had my baby about 12 years ago and 
or even before that, got interested in the conscious birth movement. Um, but I really started digging in and following after your podcast about the sex vacation. Um, and, you know, from then until about a year ago, I had had two or three trips that we planned and scheduled and just sort of fell apart at the last moment. And I sort of, I knew that this was symbolic of other things and was very frustrated about it. And at the same time was kind of curious about why uh, it sort of attempts at having a more permanent home. We were renting a home that's really lovely and, and wonderful in many ways, but was kind of, we've outgrown it as we've been here for longer, much longer than we planned. And, um, have outgrown it and you know isn't quite isn't isn't right for our needs in the long term and um that uh there was a night in that trip where we had um towards the end of the trip when we had you know had a, a lot of wonderful orgasms and times connecting and had um worked through a, a a, a layer of, you know, a, a good deep layer of, of issues that were between us. And then uh, again, we're in a really connected place and had shared some of our intentions underneath the waxing moon rise um, on the beach one night. And those intentions were all super powered and you know, coming out of that place and our togetherness manifested within the next month and have continued. And um, one of them, which sort of felt like the most uh, almost superficial of them um, was to have a, a new home. And the, the way that that all just happened with such ease, you know, manifested in, in a way that was even better than I could have expected or hoped for. And... Um, you know, others was at that time, our kids were still in, at least one of our kids was still in school. And um, I, I forget exactly what the intention was, but I, I had been, you know, thinking we were pretty sure we were going to homeschool and that we would be able to, you know, manifest a, a, not only a strong curriculum and, um, you know, balance between unschooling and uh, kind of curriculum and, and, and support for learning and community for our kids. And that's also just manifested, I think, their social life and their interaction with the world outside has been so much stronger since we've been homeschooling than it was when they were at school. And again, I think it's because those things aren't being forced on them in a time when they would rather be in bed. They're um, clear expressions of what they want and, um, you know, what what they're interested, how they're interested in connecting and and um, uh, learning and creating with others and meeting others and collaborating in the world. Um, another one was, uh, I think, something like for my health to feel at home in my life and in my body. And, uh, you know, after a, a, a many year journey of ups and downs with health has been just so much stronger and easier uh, since then. So, um, you know, I, I think in many ways that one might not think is, you know, a, a, an expression of sexuality or sexual play. Uh, yeah. Um, 
affects our life. Um, I think uh, uh, part of this that maybe I didn't mention is um, your teaching and your, your suggestions of thinking about showing up ready to make love. Um, and I think that that's a big connection for me between the, you know, your work, my sexual practice and the rest of life, um, you know, and that's with my husband, with myself and with life. And to me, that represents bringing all of me to everything. When I make love, I, I feel like I need to be fully present, but in other areas of my life, I feel like it's been normal and preferable to kind of leave my sexuality behind. And when I feel like I bring that with, it's a way of um, helping me be whole and integrated and, um, you know, of avoiding these patterns of dissociation and separation or acting how I think I should or being who I think I should for somebody else. And um, I, I think that this um, allows me to, um, I'm sorry, I think I'm kind of losing my train of mind here. And starting to ramble. Um, I think, no, it's been pretty coherent. It's just, um, yeah, I'm not sure where you're going just in this last section, but, um, you know, what you were talking about with your own health was clear. And then I loved what you said about you guys as a couple having these extended sex dates and the power really of extended sex dates where yes, there's more pleasure and more connection. But when I talk about the dimension of sexual energy being creative power and the more extended sex that we have, the more marathon sex, three hour sex dates, the deeper we can get into that power and what you described about being under, I don't know, was it the waxing or the waning moon? Waning moon. Waning moon. And, or the um, waxing, you know, waxing. Just, waxing. Just between new and full. Great, going into the full moon. Then, um, and then being aware that speaking those intentions to each other and being in that really charged place where you are super deeply connected, you've come mm -hmm. out of hours of gourmet sex in having that really sacred space with each other and then the power of that the creative power of that and one is that is one of the biggest messages that I strive to communicate to people is that yes I'm all about having sex for pleasure and it's fun and it's great <laughs> but like it's also this creative power of the universe literally at your fingertips mm -hmm. And you're the, what you're describing is you guys tapping into that and then how quickly these things manifested in your outer mm -hmm. life when they were sourced from that place of very deep, intimate connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's really uh, phenomenal. It is. It's a phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. So look, I think you've described that really well. And is there anything you want to talk about in terms of your work and that process? Um, well, I think I don't really know where that's going yet. Yeah. And, um, you know, what I think what I said to you before about um, 
it's, it's kind of new feelings that I don't, uh, you know, I, I feel like there's a part, I've got part A and I don't know what the other parts are, but um, just, just feeling like, um, there's a lot of um, kind of learned behavior and patterns of um, really not showing up ready to make love and wanting to shift those and kind of trusting that my self-care and healing um, and sort of time dedicated to myself, which has always seemed like a very selfish choice, would actually enable me to be of greater service and to help, um, you know, to, to help be, um, well, something I would, I, I, I strive to be, and I feel like is, is one of my purposes here is to be a portal of, of healing for myself and others and to kind of help, help this world in this time of transition um, or through this time of transition. And that, um, you know, I, I now believe that that can only come through, in, you know, in bringing my whole self along and coming from a place where I, I feel like I'm ready and able to, uh, to make love, you know, and to um, have, have my heart be open, like a big cervical orgasm heart open um, in all my moments and not just um, segregated into one small area and I feel like once that have you know when I when I have been able to be in that space then um, the ease of manifesting and helping in that in that way you know with with my family and my community and um, my patients which feel like the same thing um, is so much easier. It, there's there's no work or striving involved. It it just flows. So you're describing this energy of being open, open to the world, open to making love to the world, right? So it's a sexual openness, but that extends out into how you interact with the world in general. There's a level of openness and receptivity that then mm -hmm. makes you a greater creative vessel and channel. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. And I think, um, if I'm not whole and acting from that place of wholeness, then how can I help others get there? And, you know, there's, that can be with my partner, sure, but uh, with my children and with my friends and with my patients and with, um, you know, my kids' friends, I think when I'm able to be in that state of oneness, um, that, that helps everybody you know that helps me see the oneness and the wholeness and the health in them and i think that that in of itself helps them see it in themselves too and helps us experience it together beautiful so is there anything else that you'd like to add that you feel we haven't covered
Um, I think I when I look at my shyness still in talking about sex and self-pleasuring, um, I, I, I think it comes from this conditioning, cultural or religious or familiar, wherever it comes from. Um, you know, for me, I don't think I have much of sex is bad in me, but I, I do have that it's um, not important or um, uh, not that worthwhile or um, uh, frivolous. And um, like the, even the word masturbating, like it's sort of a, a, a wasting of energy and resources and not, you know, real work and real service. And I, I think that that's the, the last thing that can be true. And that when we can um, use our sexualities as a vehicle for our healing and to um, tend to those areas, you know, when we ignore them, then they still affect the rest of our lives in ways that just aren't as healthy and conscious. And um, they reflect the state of our, our sexuality. And when that's sort of ignored and suppressed and uh, dissociated, then that shows up in areas in the rest of our lives too, of course, as you say. And that these parts aren't, you know, it's not just that they're um, uh, a part of us that's healthy and good and nice, but that they're a crucial part of us. It's like the car, the engine in the car, or a womb. Um, you know, these are absolutely essential uh, aspects to be on board in any healing question, you know, no matter what the problem is, certainly if it has to do with, you know, our, our sexual organs or reproductive organs, but in, in really any aspect of our lives, um, it's a crucial, fundamental, beautiful, powerful um, a priority in our healing and um, there's there's not that many people or teachers of how to um, how to go about this, and uh, you do it so beautifully and and so wonderfully, and I think make it make work that's really hard, um, easy, and maybe not easy, but accessible, and break it down into simple steps, and um, have really you know have have really done the hard work and and. Uh, and made it easy on the rest of us to kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> follow behind you. And I, um, it's hard for me to imagine uh, situations in which it's not beneficial for people to do this work. Um, so I would encourage anybody listening to, to take a dive in and, um, and explore. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rose, for sharing. And I know you said that you still have some shyness and you did beautifully to express these deep concepts. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. My legendary Vaginal Kung Fu Salon is now open for registration until Friday, February the 4th at midnight PST. 
In this eight-week online salon, I have compiled the best of my 30 years of sexual and vaginal experience to take you over the edge into a lifetime of bliss. We cover everything that I've talked about in today's episode, from yoni massage to how to use the jade yoni egg to activating your feminine energy as the receiver and attractor in your life, all of which bring you into your creative genius. You will learn how to have a toned, orgasmic, and ecstatic vagina, how to channel your sexual energy into creative power, step-by-step instructions for your vaginal weightlifting practice, thereby placing yourself in the running for the Guinness record for world's strongest vagina. There is one winner of that, actually. My guided routine for giving yourself or having your partner give you a healing and activating yoni massage. And last but not least, how to give your man a handjob with your vagina. Come to kungfuvagina.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe and also leave a review and send someone else the gift of a healthy libido and an off the charts love life by sharing this episode with them. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, many happy orgasms.